Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Two Guys in a Mic, podcast number eight. Once again, my name is Mike. I'm joined here by two guys. Who are those two guys at? Got Logan. And Brian back. All right. First things first, as we like to deal with kick off the podcast, what are you drinking, Brian? I'm keeping it classic once again. I think this is the third time. Just keeping it with the yingling. Can't beat it. And Logan, what do you got for us? I'm still rocking through the Terrapin IPA pack. This time I have a Terrapin Luau, a passion fruit orange guava IPA. We'll see how this is. Oh, my, good uh, Lord. Good Lord. My, my, my thoughts are not high on this one. I'm not a big fruit drinker. Yeah, fruit should not be in beer. I'm just, I'm running low. You just got to get rid of it. Got to drink through it. Got to power through it. It gets the job done. All right, I got a new beer since... Uh, I'm trying to mix it up here. I got a nice uh, Presidente Lager, uh, Dominican oh, beer. A Mexican beer. Huh? Uh, no, it was not Mexican. It's Dominican, to be fair. Oh, hey, sorry. Beers are it's, good. It's, it's mixing it up, but it is good. And uh, you you missed it last week. I called out Mike for drinking just Mexican beer. Hey, I mean, if that's what he likes. We'll see. Maybe, maybe if we get some people on our social media here to uh, suggest what they like to drink. Uh, maybe while they're listening to our podcast, what were they drinking? We want to hear from you. So don't forget to connect with us on Twitter or Facebook. Again, you can find the links are in the description and let us know what you're d- drinking. Be happy to hear what you got. Any suggestions, pass it on our way. Maybe we'll be drinking it during a podcast. Yeah, I like that idea. If we can get somebody on social media to suggest something, maybe we can get the three of us to all drink the same thing. Anything on social media, just connect with us. Let us know what you're thinking, what your views are. Maybe give us some uh, topics. Let's talk about it in the podcast. I'm going to call out Ferguson to be the first one to suggest something. Well, now he has to. All right. Pressure's on, Ferguson. Well, let's kick off this. uh, I guess we can call this kind of the NFL special, guys, because it appears to be all our topics for once are solely going to be NFL related. So let's just call this the NFL special. Uh, Logan, why don't you kick us off with our first topic, knowing that it's something that's uh, with your team and true to your heart. All right. You guys know what time it is? Oh, it's Tua time, baby. That's right. The Dolphins rookie quarterback, Tua Nagatalova, is going to make his NFL debut as a starter this week, uh, he started last week in the shutout over the Jets, took five snaps, went two for two for a whole impressive nine yards. That's all the coaching staff needed to see. Couldn't even get a first down. They are putting him in. So uh, so he's going to start this week versus the, versus the Rams. Um, kind of an interesting choice to me to put him in at this point. Uh, but we all knew he was going to start eventually and, and that he would be declared the starter sooner or later. But, you know, is it still too soon? Um, and where do you guys kind of have him as your ranking amongst the other rookie quarterbacks by the end of the season? Let's go with you, Brian. Um, I, I think it's too soon. And uh, I think the main reason I think that, I mean, you guys are 3-3, three and three, right? I mean, so you're going into week eight with a 500 record. Um I think that the big question is what, what does Miami expect to get out of the season? And I don't know if many Dolphin fans at week seven thought that they'd be three and three. Nope. So I think if you're on a high, and there were a couple close games in there. I know the Bills Dolphin game was close. That could have been a win. So I mean, that's four and two, right? If you guys pull that one out, that was kind of a last second fourth quarter victory for for the Bills. 
Um, I just think the way it's going, like why not stick with Fitz, the veteran presence who um, has kind of led you guys to a record better than a lot of people anticipated. Um, and then if we want to talk about, it, it's hard to rank him, right? Because the, the book of work is so small, right? Two plays, you know, two completions, he's throwing on the run for one of them. I think he's still probably third on my list behind Burrow and Herbert. Um, but let's see what he does this week. You know, it's hard to really judge him at this point without a, a more complete, you know, book of work to take a look at. All right, Mike, what do you think? I think this is the Miami Dolphins' biggest PR mistake. And I think I know why they're doing it. I think it's totally PR-related. I think it's to sell jerseys. Um, I bought one. And I'm sure a lot of people did, and I'm sure they're expected to do that. Uh, And I think that's what their whole purpose and goal was to do, was to get excitement and get some money behind the team. Uh, maybe this is you know because of the 2020 flaw that uh, you know they're not selling out stadiums, they're not making revenue. Uh, I think it's a PR move, and it's way too soon. And it's I think it's a smack in the face, uh, you know, to Fitz, Fitzpatrick here. It's like it's like how do you? I mean, I know we talked about it, you know, off cam- off the mic here. And you, you always you said, you know, he was expecting it. You know, he was told that this was going to happen. But it's like, after doing so well, how do you just all of a sudden go, oh, it's like I'm getting fired. <laughs> and I'm now replaced by this, you know, this rookie as basically a PR move. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think it's way too soon. And what happens if he goes in there, even if he completes one game, maybe two games. Let's just say he gets hurt. And then now you're trying to go back to Fitzpatrick. Does he really have any motivation to, to, you know, turn the team around? Do if it too is, is now the quarterback and is not performing well, how, how do the, how does the, how does the team react to it? You know, Fitzpatrick was their guy. They were used to his timing. You know, they were used to his, uh, you know, routes and everything. Like when Tua comes in, you know, what's the chemistry? Like, I know they had an off week, but do you think they just made all that chemistry up real fast with the quarterback change? I think it's uh, too fast, too soon, and it's the biggest PR mistake for the Miami Dolphins. So where do you see him amongst the other rookie quarterbacks? Uh, not there. Uh, really? Huge, huge disadvantage because uh, what are we, we're in week, what week are we in in the NFL? Like, we're, I mean, we've already played eight. week eight. Week eight, so it's like... Uh, I mean the char- the Chargers guy the Chargers rookie came in what the f- second game first game not not probably the first game I think it was the second game when he came in uh, due to the injury or you know doctor related injury so I I think he's just gonna lack he's not gonna I don't see him coming out there making a huge difference and picking up you know at the level of these other rookie quarterbacks in the league right now I just I don't see it happening especially with the Dolphins. I just, I don't see it happening. How many games has Herbert won? Probably not a whole lot because it's not a whole lot of records, but how many points has Herbert put up and lost? How many points is Tua going to put up and win or lose? I don't think he's going to match. I don't think he's going to match the Herbert's uh, 
score potential there. I, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I mean, he doesn't have to to win though. Those guys have to carry the team. He does not have to carry the team to win. He's got to be effective. He's got to be efficient. I mean, to be fair, I think the Chargers and the Dolphins kind of stack up evenly in terms of the what? overall in, in terms of the overall team. Keep in mind, Fitzpatrick, a veteran quarterback, the most like what 16, 17 years quarterback, got you all those wins. His experience, his you know veteran leadership as a quarterback, he got you all those wins. And now you're going to say that suddenly the Miami Dolphins are going to be better with Tua. You're you're wrong in there, and I'll get into why you're wrong. But uh, so Go ahead. Uh, all right, so I still think it's better to sit him for the entire season. But assuming that they're going to start him this season, this is absolutely the right time to do it. Okay, Fitzpatrick, he's been more than serviceable. You know, he didn't deserve to be benched. You know, and under normal circumstances, if it wasn't Tua, you know, he'd still be in there. But the stars have kind of aligned in a way which it makes sense. That if you're going to start him, you start him now. Fitzpatrick's a 37 year old veteran. He's a boomer bust quarterback. You know, while he seems kind of ageless right now, running around, taking hits, you know, I'm just, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And Brian, I think you know what I'm talking about. You've had him as a quarterback. He's a boomer bust guy, and, and he's going to do fantastic, or he's going to throw three picks in a game. That's kind of how he is. Um, you know, even in Miami's shutout of the Jets, Fitzpatrick threw three scores, but he also threw for less than 200 yards. He threw two picks, you know. So his his style leads to make – it makes him prone to multiple interception games, and that's what Miami can't have if they're going for a wild card spot, which I think is with – the, with the restructuring of playoffs, I think it's not out of the realm. It's still going to be a push, but – it's not out of the realm of, of contention. But, um, you know, coming into the bye week, 3-3, three and three, being alive in the division, you know, thanks to a, a struggling Patriots team, which we'll get into later, but this gave him two solid weeks to prepare for the Rams. And they don't really have a lot of film on him. So he's got the college film, but there's not a lot of film on him. So the Rams are going to have a hard time to prepare for him. Two weeks gives him a good time to prepare. Yes, it's a tough matchup versus the Rams. They, you know, that team features like the most dominating defensive player in the league in Aaron Donald and probably one of the best top corners in uh, Jalen Ramsey. You know, I know that they've held quarterbacks to below average stats this year. But with the two weeks, I'm hoping that they can kind of game script for that in a, uh, that situation and kind of establish where they want to attack who what players they want to attack and exploit um you know and if if miami really is going to make this push you got to believe that the floor for tua is much higher than the floor for fitzpatrick and there's just a lot of upside to starting tua you know as far as my expectations where he's going to be i don't expect him to start to go in there and drop 50-yard bombs. I, do I expect him to make some rookie mistakes? Yes, he's a rookie, but I think he probably ends the season behind Burrow, but in front of Herbert, and I think the Dolphins probably have a better record than both you know, the Bengals and the Chargers at the end of the season. I just don't get... I mean, you're 3-3, three and three and you're saying that you have a chance to win or potentially get a wild-card spot with the playoffs, but you're just going to say get rid of Fitzpatrick. Like I know I know two is your guy for the future. 
But what's the rush for this season? After, you know, you've been doing so well, chemistry's there, the timing's there, uh, you know, uh, Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick had a, a great two-minute drive in a couple games. Like, I just, I don't get why I mean, I you just say, get rid of he him. Didn't, he didn't lose Miami in any games, um, with the exception of maybe, the, say, the Patriots game where he threw three interceptions. And that was still a relatively close game. But, I, like I said, I think the floor. So, Fitzpatrick's going to have multiple interceptions in a game. And he's going to have games where he goes out there and he starts out 11 for 14 like he did a couple weeks ago. He's going to have both those scenarios. And you, it, for a team to be consistent and be a playoff potential team, I think you got to have consistency. But you don't think two is going to go in there and not have – and is have. I mean, the way you're talking, talking about this, it sounds like two is going to go in there and have perfect consistency, you know, know no, the offense. I, I, mean, I not said throw he's, he's going to have – he's a rookie. He's going to make bad throws. He's going to throw an inter- interception or two this season. You know, maybe more than that, you know. It's, but he's got more athletic ability. He's going to be a better player, in my opinion – long term and he gives you the better chance to win um you know i'd prefer for him to sit longer but if you're going to start him this season the bye week is the time to do that it gives him the most time to prepare especially against a tough opponent you know he it's it's the best situation for him to set him up for success all right we'll see what happens this week uh definitely a game that i think we're all going to be curiously watching to see how Two a dozen with this start against the Rams. Uh, moving on, let's go from rookie quarterbacks to the undisputed number one 2021 future draft pick. Last week, social media went crazy following a fake tweet from Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence ripping the New York Jets, quoting, If you think I'm entering the draft this year, if the Jets have the number one pick, you're out of your damn mind. The team I'm on right now would beat the trash out of them. While in the tweet wasn't real, should Lawrence stay at Clemson to avoid the Jets? And could Clemson really beat the Jets? What do you got for us, Logan, on this one? All right, let's start with the easy part of this question. There's absolutely no way any college team could ever beat the worst NFL team. The size, the speed, the skill level of the worst team is still filled with 53 of the best players from all different college teams. You know, even if you take, say, Alabama from a couple years ago, they had like, what, 13, 16 guys go. That's still only 13 or 16 guys. You know, and and not all of them were necessarily all star ready. They were just going to be position players, practice squad, stuff like that. So there's no way that a college team ever beats the worst NFL team, even the Browns for a couple years ago. So, but anyway, if I'm Trevor Lawrence. I can honestly say that I would heavily consider staying at Clemson and follow the lead of guys like Peyton Manning, who waited one more year in Tennessee before entering to to fit in with a better team. You know, he, it doesn't make sense for him in terms of like business financial sense, you know, staying, obviously he's taking a big risk and getting hurt his stock is super high. It's probably not going to get any higher. He's always going to be the number one pick, whether it's this year or, or next year. But like the Jets, they're just like a dumpster fire of an organization. They've been that way for a long time, and there's no signs that it's going to get any, 
any easier. They think they just signed their GM, took a five-year extension. So you can't even, like, have a GM coach who's got a lot of power in, in terms of picking teams. And in terms of picking teams, they've just been awful. They've, they've been swinging a miss on, like, every offensive weapon and quarterback going back years. You know, not to mention that you don't oh, want Mark Adam- Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, he worked out. Uh, you know, you don't want Adam Gates as your quarterback, and you don't know who they're going to bring in, what kind of system he's going to bring in. So, if I if I'm Lawrence, I heavily consider it, but I don't know that you take the risk and and risk losing your career and, and a bunch of money. Brian, go ahead. Yeah. Uh- yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to mirror Logan's answer on the whole, you know, college team beating a pro team. I've always been a very strong advocate that, you know, even the worst of the worst NFL teams, um, Logan mentioned the Browns, I'll mention the the Lions from a few years back who, uh, you know, winless season there. But um, I, I don't, th- you take 53 guys, like Logan said, they're all the cream of the crop. From college, I, I don't see any college team beating any NFL team. But um, moving more specifically to Trevor Lawrence, um, typically I would agree that it's probably best for him, especially in the case of the Jets. They really don't have any offensive weapons whatsoever. For him to consider staying, I think he's in a unique situation because A, he's won a national championship and it, it's likely that they might win it again this year, um, barring any unforeseen consequences. I think they've been pretty dominant uh, against every opponent that they've played. Um, so I think they're probably the favorites to win it all again. And then B, I, I think it's hard for people like us who are doing this podcast who truly love watching football and wish that we could more than likely be there ourselves to make these comments. But I think in, in all reality, he's thinking about two things when this offseason comes. A, what's if he can go if he knows he's gonna go number one, do you risk passing up that payday to go number one in the NFL draft, regardless of team? And then number two, I think there's a lot to say about the market. And even though the Jets are absolutely terrible, is there an appeal going to New York and being a player there? And I think there is. Um, I think for those reasons, he ends up entering the draft, especially if he wins another national championship. And uh, I think he embraces the role. I mean, the quarterback's the leader of the team. If they suck... He's the, the the first step in the right direction of making him better. So that's my opinion. So, all right. And I, I like to add on to that. I mean, just to go back to the original question, yeah, there's not going to be any college team that beats a professional team in the NFL. I just – the size, the speed, it's not there in college right now. I don't care what team you're on. I don't see it happening. Uh but here, I mean, to, to add on to what Brian's saying, like the draft is set up to obviously help these poor teams get young, fresh, new talent with some skill, and they're looking to add on their skill and get better as a franchise and a team. So 
you know, of course we want to talk about Eli Manning. You know, he entered the draft and when he got drafted by the Chargers and then said, no, I'm not playing for the Chargers. And then they had to trade him to New York just to get, you know, where he wanted to go kind of thing. Um, you know, I know a lot of these young guys have huge ships on their shoulders and I think it's only going to get worse as it progresses on uh, in the future. But as the commissioner has stated multiple times when playing in the NFL, playing in the NFL is a privilege. Now, I know, you know, when you're when you're in that draft order, obviously you have your heart on a certain team that maybe you worked out with and maybe they're like number three or four down the, down the pick and you thought everything worked out great and you're thinking you're going to go there. But how are these young teams that are, or not young teams, but how are these teams that are, you know, consistently not winning games? I mean, the Jets, when you look at them the, the past couple of years, they've had to resort to, you know, hiring old veterans to their team to try to make something work out. Hence, Mark Sanchez. Um, uh, was it Le'Veon Le- 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 Bell was just there? you know, got traded. So it's like, they're trying to take these old veterans and make something work. I mean, that's, that's their situation. They know they're not going to get it. So it's like, how does this draft really work out for these teams? If you know, they know that these guys aren't going to want to play for them, um, are going to demand a trade or just, you know, sit, not, you not join the draft. The system is broken. Something needs to be done just as an overall, you know, different view of what we're talking here. Something needs to be worked out in this draft to help these teams. Notoriously, there's teams in the league we know suck. But what can they do if the draft isn't there to help them out? That's what they're counting on, and it's not working. I think the system's a little broken there. We Uh, should relegate teams and bring in teams from the CFL. I don't know about that part, but I mean... Something's, something's new has to happen because this is... Oh, they do it this, in MLS. This is an ongoing problem for sure. And I think we all can agree on that, that something does need to change, something needs to work out. But again, it's a privilege to play in this league. I mean, you're going to get hired, you're going to get you know drafted to the city team, you're still going to get a great you know starting off contract because you're you know high number on the draft. But yeah, I think something needs to change with this with the whole draft workout. Well, here's the thing is, he hasn't officially declared yet either. No, the only, th- the only thing he said is this is most likely his last season. He hasn't officially declared for the draft, right? It, he knowing that the Jets, you know, uh, may have that number one pick, he may just not enter the draft. I mean, you got to very well pre- do that. He's got to protect himself too, though. If he's going to go to a team where he's going to get smacked around, clobbered, risk getting hurt, I mean, NFL doesn't guarantee all the money, so he has to take that into consideration. I think there's other options for him than, I mean, but still, I mean, but still looking at these teams, what, like, how do you help these teams? There's notoriously all these teams don't go to the playoffs, you know, forget the Super Bowl. Like, what do you do to help these teams in the league? What do you do? There's got to be an incentive for them not to lose. I'm just saying these, these poor teams need some help. And if you want to hear, if you want to see some excitement in the NFL, get these notoriously teams motivated get them all the support they need because they need help and i think the draft is there to help them it's just not panning out not working out so all right moving on uh antonio browns is set to resume his football career after serving an eight-game suspension for violating the nfl's personal conduct policy the eight-game suspension stemmed from his january 2020 arrest that was 
connected to attacking the driver of a moving company truck. While Brian has always been an elite wide receiver, he has also been a detriment as a teammate from his unceremonious departure from the Steelers. To sideshow in Oakland and in his whopping 13 days as a Patriot. Well, Antonio Brown help or hurt the Bucks. Brian, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Um, I think it'll be a help. Um, I think this was a learning experience from him for him. Um, I think that he's still a tremendous talent. Um, he's had you know tremendous success in the NFL when he's been paired with a you know elite quarterback. He had the opportunity last year with New England. I just don't think he was there. Um, Mentally, when he got to New England last year, there's obviously something there that Tom Brady um, is a fan of because Brady was there in New England for him for those 13 days. So I think um, at least my hope is for him that he's learned that this is a serious business and the elite players don't get caught up in the riffraff or politics that he's been involved in the last year. I don't see him hurting the Bucks because I don't think they allow him to get to the point where he hurts them. I think that they bring him in with the hope that he's that elite talent. And then after a few games, if he doesn't perform or if he's causing problems, I think it's as simple as last year where he just gets cut and they let him go. I don't see them allowing him to get to a point where they bring down the great season that they're having at this point. What do you think, Logan? I think an AB will undoubtedly be, help the Bucks, but the question is for how long. You know, I say how long because you know he never played a snap in Oakland. He lasted one game in the Patriots, and to top it all off, he is still under investigation for the sexual assault and rape of a former trainer. Um. You know, if those allegations are ever kind of concluded, I think that he could potentially see additional suspension time from the NFL. But, you know, Brown is an elite wide receiver. He He's of the likes of, like, Randy Moss, um, Jerry Rice. He'll, he can be an immediate impact on the Bucks, who have had an injury-prone wide receiving core all year long, you know, Essentially, after he left Oakland, he was a walk-on. He didn't have any practice, you know, and that Tom Brady-led Patriots team, you know, he walked right on there. He played one game. In that game, he was targeted eight times, caught four passes for 56 yards, converted three first downs, hauled in a touchdown. This was all against my Miami Dolphins, by the way. But Well, now we know why he caught so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, him and Brady obviously had immediate on-field chemistry, and they worked off, uh, worked out together over the summer, um, as long as, as well as, uh, Russell Wilson. So, you know, Brady's been pushing them to sign him as soon as suspension was over for a, a long time. So I think that, uh, I think Brady will, will be excited to have a guy like Antonio Brown on the team. So he's, he's going to have two star wide receivers. If you know, this works out. Um, I they think stay healthy. Yeah. But I don't know. I think Antonio Brown, obviously a huge risk, um, could be a very, Big distraction for the team. Bucks are clearly, uh, you know, they started the season kind of going 50-50. One week they were good, one week they were not. It seems like now they got it down. They got their chemistry. Uh, things are working out. I don't think it's just, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing, but 
it's got to let it play out and see what happens with Antonio Brown. Um, I think for sure there's going to be problems with him down the road legally. Um, we'll see if that continues. But, hey, I think all things are looking good at Tampa Bay. There was probably no need to do this, but at the same time, it, it alleviates uh, some pressure from the other wide receiver. Uh, was it Mike Evans? Oh, no, he's not even in the top two. Who's the other guy? I mean, who's the star receiver for the Bucks right now? I mean, when he's healthy, Godwin. And then they have another guy who uh, was a third-string guy, and he's outperformed both of them. Evans has been really lackluster this year as a wide receiver for the for the Bucks. Okay. So, I mean, in general, I think the threats are all there, and Antonio Brown is obviously going to help spread out the defense when they play. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, he'll at least be a distraction. So, all right, let's talk about another out-of-work wide receiver. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported Thursday that the Ravens plan to sign the veteran wide receiver Des Bryant to the practice squad. Uh, if his workouts go well and he passes a physical, the former Dallas Cowboys All-Pro hasn't played a regular season snap since 2017. After he was cut by the Cowboys in the spring of 2018, he signed a one-year deal in New Orleans in November 2018, but tore his Achilles tendon two days later, abruptly ending his season and career. What would signing Des Bryant mean for the Ravens? Brian, go ahead. I think it's an experiment. Um, you know, I... I he at one point was a great, um, and I do say great, great receiver for Dallas. Um, he has size, he had speed. I, I just think at this point, it's like T.O. years ago. He had, you know, the his great run with Dallas, and then he hip hop around from a bunch of teams, um, trying to resurrect his career. Two years out of the league, I don't care what anybody says, is a long time. Uh, I don't care how many YouTube videos you post, you know, working out or, you know, catching balls or, you know, training. It's different to be in a game, Um, especially, you know, two years prior being the last time you take a snap. I think at, I think the Ravens have realized that their division is a lot tougher this year than they thought maybe it was going to be going into the season. I mean, Pittsburgh's freaking crazy. Um, and then the Browns, even though they've had a lot of controversy, are still sticking around at five and two. I think what they see is a potential guy to come in. I think the Ravens have been having their own wide receiver issues. They don't really have that big, you know, presence out on the corner that you can throw up a you know jump ball to in the corner of the end zone when you're in the red zone. I think Lamar Jackson is trying to take a step back from running and try to focus more a little bit on the passing game. So I think they saw a potential for him to come in and maybe fill a void. I think at most it's like a one or two year thing if he does prove to have any success. But I'm, if this was a buy, buy sell category, I would sell on him doing anything meaningful for the Ravens this year. Uh, I don't, I personally don't still see him making it. Um, coming back from the injury, I think is going to be, I mean, people have done it before. I, I, without a doubt, but I think he works out with the team. I don't see it progressing. I don't see him making it to the full uh, squad for the games. Um, even then, even if he's confident to play and returns, just his, you know, he, just his attitude in the games, even with Dallas, like he was, it was just an emotional wreck. I think for the team, and it was just, I think it's just a bad mix for anyone to to go after him. But 
Yeah, it, time has come. He's got to put up or shut up now, so he's got to work his way back. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I love the idea of him coming back into the league. I, I had him on my fantasy team for a couple of years and really enjoyed his productivity. Um, I don't think he was as big of a detriment as, say, uh, Antonio Brown, T.O., you know, those guys. I don't think he was like that. Sure, was he a little bit of a diva? Yeah. But, I mean, he's not even as big of a diva as... You do like the divas. You had Des Bryant and Odell Beckham. I, I do. Yeah, he's not even as big of a diva as Odell. He's he's not that level of diva. Um, you know, but we haven't seen him play in a few years, and he undoubtedly has is not the same player who, who's, who eclipsed 1,300 yards and put up 16 touchdowns in a season. So this signing probably wouldn't mean a whole lot to the Ravens, who, like Brian said, really are in need of that true number one wide receiver. But at 6'2", 220 pounds, with his size, you know, he can be a, a down blocker in the running game. If he still has a little bit of a zip, he can, you know, use his experience in his route running to, to kind of be that niche role player, a guy who can catch 50-50 balls in traffic, you know, maybe even kind of akin to the type of player Anquan Bolden found himself in and, and where he saw a lot of success in Baltimore. But uh, ultimately, this probably won't be a, a big splash for the Ravens. All right, moving on to after a brutal 33-6 to lopsided loss to the San Francisco 49ers, the Patriots are now 2-4 and four, and in the midst of a three-game losing streak, which hasn't happened since 2002 when New England lost four in a row. Cam Newton had his worst performance as a Patriot and was benched early in the fourth quarter after only putting up 98 yards, throwing three interceptions, and posting a quarterback rating of a 39.7. In New England, the narrative has shifted from how great of a fit Cam is for the Patriots in the post-Tom Brady era to whether Newton really is capable of still producing at the level we've all come to expect. Do the Patriots need to bench Cam Newton and find out what they have in backup quarterback with Jarrett Stidham? Logan, why don't you go ahead and take it for us? So after the after his last four games, you know the England New England Patriots uh, should start to be worried about their quarterback situation. Uh, in that stretch, they're one in three, uh, and their production at quarterback position has been a uh, real concern. You know, Newton in the last three games has gone forty three for sixty eight, which is only a sixty three percent completion rating. He's only thrown for four hundred and seventeen yards, has one touchdown, six interceptions, and a positive COVID test. Uh, so just for comparison, Burrow last week, you know, he had a 74% completion percentage. He threw for 406 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception, and that's on a bad team. You know, and then in the games where we saw Cam Newton now, we had Brian Hoyer come in, and he just stunk up the place. And then Stidham has now come in in two different occasions where he's been in a pretty bad losing situation against two pretty good teams. Uh, so it's really hard to kind of see what he's got. Um, I did do some investigative journalism this week. I spoke to my sources in New England. That's right, I have sources in New England. Oh, gosh. Yep. And, and he is telling me that Cam is still the guy who gives the Patriots the best chance to win this week, but he's on a short leash. And if Cam starts to get out of, you know, rhythm or the, the game starts getting out of reach, they're going to yank him and they're going to put in Stidham. 
you know, to go even further, the Patriots face the Jets next week. I, I consider putting Sidham in, just give him a full week of practice with the number one team, put him in there and see what he's got. I would agree. I mean, I, I think Cam for sure. I mean, oh gosh, I mean, I just don't see. I don't see Cam. I don't know if it's just his attitude. You know, we 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 saw this one in you know in his um, you know preseason drills how he wasn't kind of getting along, but then eventually you know got the respect of the team around him, and uh, you know they started off fairly well, winning some games. Now it's kind of unraveling he you know he did have covid sat out a couple games but yeah i I don't know if i think the bigger story is tom brady's doing so much better in tampa bill belichick isn't doing great at all with cam newton um but yeah i think for sure next week if or this coming week if, if cam newton doesn't put up and shut up i'd for sure say he's benched he's out yeah, I would probably agree. Um, I still think Cam Newton gives them the best chance of winning this year. I think in general this year he gives them the best chance. I just think teams have realized, oh, it's the same Cam Newton who was in Carolina the past few years. You know, he, he's going to try to run the ball. He, he's not as accurate as he was the first couple of years in the league. I, I think it's also fair to bring up the Patriots' problem for many years was the argument, oh, where's the supporting cast? I don't think he has much help on that offense. Oh, he's got he has Edel- Right. He has Edelman and then running back by committee with the veterans, you know, Burkhead, White, um, amongst others, and Sonny Michelle when he's healthy. I don't know if he's really working with much here to create a productive offense. So... You know, he's going to take the blame at the end of the day because he's the quarterback, as he should. Um, because, you know what, Tom Brady did it with nobody, too, and won games. So, I, I, New England's a hard place to play. I would not be suppl- surprised if he's benched by next week, but I still think he's the best quarterback on the roster. And, and the other From thing a talent is, perspective, at least. The other thing, we're kind of used for Cam Newton rushing as a big quarterback. Um, you know, he's put up 70, 75 yards, you know, in the past. Uh, which a big you know rushing yardage percentage uh, for any quarterback in a game. He only rushed five times for 19 yards this past game. So clearly was not in any type of control of the game. And we all know Cam Newton likes to rush. I, is it dead? I mean, was San Francisco that good? They are good. They're not. They're supposed to have good as they were defense last year. coming into the season. So yeah. they've had some injuries. You know, Bosa being out certainly helps uh, weaken that that squad. I'm just but, wondering if San Francisco is starting to be back now after all their injuries. Going yeah, forward. I mean they're they're picking it up. I certainly think they're picking it up. But I think this is like what Brian said. The cabin is kind of bare in New England, and they have a system in place that suited Tom Brady and Cam Newton's a very different quarterback. He's very much a, I see it, I throw it, you know, where Brady let things develop and had routes and trusted play calling where Cam Newton, if it breaks down, he's running. And if he sees it, he throws it, you know, he can fit it in there sometimes, but he doesn't let things develop. 
All right, so with the Seattle's overtime loss to the Cardinals, we are left with only one undefeated team in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Where do you rank the Steelers amongst the top teams in the NFL, and where do you see them finishing the season? Brian, what do you got for us? I'm putting them third in the league, and, you know, I think, I mean, the, the the proof's in the pudding, right? I mean, only undefeated team, they're playing in the NFC, or I'm sorry, the AFC North, which is arguably the second best division, and then it fell this year behind the NFC West, who now has five or three five win teams. Um, and I think their defense is showing up. I mean, they almost blew it this past week against Tennessee, being up by you know three plus touchdowns and letting Tennessee come back. But I mean, Tennessee was another one of those elite teams. Um, and Pittsburgh was able to um, shut them down. I think big. I think Big Ben's in the. He's obviously in the comeback player of the year conversation. I think he's propelling himself into a potential MVP conversation. Um, he's a veteran guy, and he's got some weapons on there uh, that maybe he didn't know he had coming into the season. Claypool comes to mind with some big games as a rookie. Um. But when we're ranking them, I still think there's two teams that kind of have proven themselves over the last few years and I think have a little bit more elite talent. Um, And those two teams are Kansas City. I still think they're the favorites in the AFC, even though they have one loss. Um, And Seattle. I, I really think even though Seattle did lose to the Cardinals this past week, it's very hard to go undefeated in the NFL. And, you know, to be honest with you, sometimes being undefeated doesn't help. I mean, let's just ask any Patriots fan. I know we just kind of gave them some, some grief here in the last topic, but um, I think that those two teams, Seattle, Kansas city have elite talent on both sides of the ball, a little bit more than Pittsburgh. I'd like to see one more big win from Pittsburgh. And I assume it's going to come against the Ravens if, if that's what it comes to. Um, to kind of prove their worth and cement their spot. I think they finished number two in the AFC. I think they, they win that division. Interesting. For me, it's hard to judge how good they really are. Um, you know, kind of due to the games they've played this season, their, their first couple games were the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles, who all have a combined record of 6-20. and 20. Those are not good teams, and they beat them, which they should. Then you have the Browns, who are, to me, a counterfeit team. Yes, they have a winning record, but it's the Browns. How, how long do we really expect them to be good? You know, I'm waiting for them to implode any week now. Um, and, and then you have the Titans, which is a other undefeated team going into this week, and they won. It's a good win. So it's, it's hard for me to kind of judge really how good they are. In my power rankings, I got them as number five. I've got them behind Seattle, Kansas City, the Packers, and Baltimore, which puts them as the third best team in the AFC. You know, I have them losing this week to Baltimore, and ultimately, I think they'll finish second in the AFC North, which means that they're a wild card team, and they're probably the top wild card team, but they're still a wild card team. So that would probably put them up against someone like the Bills and the Titans in that wild card first round. Um, both of, both of which are winnable games. Any of those teams can win that game. So, you know, at most, I see them as a one-win playoff team. I think that they would ultimately probably go on to play Kansas City. 
uh, and they would they would lose that game. So I'm gonna at most they're a one win playoff team, uh, but they're still gonna be a wild card team for me. I'm saying with the exception of the at the time the undefeated Tennessee Titans this past week, they have not played anyone. Uh, I I would say I would go on to say they probably had the easiest start of this year. Uh, game number one against the Giants blew them out essentially. Game number two, Broncos kept it close. You know, only won by five points. Game number three, Houston Texans won by seven points. Uh, game number four against the Eagles won by nine. And then the Browns, they blew them out 38-7. And then win against the undefeated Titans by three points. I think this coming week against the Ravens at Baltimore is the first test for them this season. Well, actually, second test because they they, they did win against the, uh, the Titans. So I'll give them that for sure. But I think this is going to be their first true or second true test. It's rival week. They're playing Baltimore at Baltimore. Ravens always play them tough. Steelers always play the Ravens tough. Going to Baltimore, I got Ravens winning. It's going to be their first loss. And they still have to play them a second time Again, down yep. the road. Yep. So, yeah, I think you know it's I a big deal if Mike's taking a road team. No, they're at the Ravens. I know it's a big deal if you're taking the Steelers over the Ravens at the Ravens. No, I picked the Ravens. Oh, sorry, sorry, the way around. <laughs> Ryan took the Steelers. So yeah, no, I'm taking Ravens for sure. I think this is another big test for them. I'm not going to say it's the first test because obviously the Titans were. Um, but yeah, I think they had, they had the easiest start to the schedule and that's where the record shows right now. They had a huge win against the Titans. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think things are going to start to unravel now. We'll see what happens, uh, going forward. So, all right. So we got, all right. Talking Seattle. Now we got Seattle's overtime loss to the Cardinals. We are left with only one undefeated team in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, we already talked about this. Yeah, we just, we just covered this. Where are you going with this? I don't know where we're going. So we're moving on to Pickham. Who wants to talk about Pickham here? All right. Well, I'll take Pickham, I guess. Um, once again, Mike had another strong week. Uh, only got two picks wrong, going 12-2. and two. Brian still uh, pulling up the rear at 9-5. And, five, and uh, I was one pick behind Mike at 11-3. This essentially gives us a... Uh, two-way tie for first place brian and mike are both tied at 71 correct picks and i'm just two behind at 69 giggity uh this week um <laughs> we've got we only, a lot we, of this we only differed on three games let's just jump to the chase so yeah we only differ on three games so the the first game is is the rams at the dolphins brian and mike took the uh, rams and i'm taking the dolphins i'm being the homer um, I just think that uh, there's you a know good, the way you're thinking. Let's be honest. <laughs> this is this is a long shot. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. This is a long shot. But uh, you're thinking Tua gets MVP of the year magically. No, no. I'm thinking <laughs> that they don't have game film. They don't know how to prepare for him. And Tua's got two weeks to prepare for defense. He's got a lot of film on. That's the that's the reason I'm picking it. So uh, next we have the Steelers. Brian taking the Steelers and Mike and I sticking with the home team Ravens. Brian, justify the Steelers. They're six and zero. 
I mean, what else do you want me to say? They've been playing great football. I, I, I think their defense steps up. It's a rivalry, rivalry, rivalry game. Sorry. Um, and, you know, I, I like the way they've been playing recently. They just beat the Titans, and I think the Titans are arguably... arguably Yeah, they're probably a top, what, seven, eight team. So, next we'll move on. We have the Saints at the Bears. Brian and I take the Saints. Mike, you are taking the Bears. Are you having buyer's remorse after Monday Night Football? You know, we made this pick before that game, but again, the Bears were on the road in L.A. in a dome. I think the Bears are going to play better at home. I think the Saints going on the road, a dome team with the Saints – I don't see the Saints beating the Bears at home in Chicago, uh, especially when weather's going to be a factor. You know, it, we're, we're we're slowly moving into uh, November here. Weather's changing, especially in Chicago. I don't see the Saints doing that great in Chicago. Yeah, I, I know the Bears are 5-2, and two, um, but I just I feel like they're another, another one of those teams that just don't really – represent the same as their record. So I think that their their record is better than they actually are. Um, I know they beat, like, the Bucks, which was good. But really, that's kind of the only, I guess, impressive win they've had. They beat the Lions, the Jets, And I, I would even Giants. say the Bucks beat themselves in that game, to be fair. I mean, potentially, that was a one-point game, too. So really, yeah, I think you're, you're kind of on to something there. But, you know... They beat the Falcons. They beat the Giants, the Lions, the Panthers, who are a 500 team. Okay, but to Saints, me, are, Saints are doing that great this year. Let's be let's be honest. No, they're not. But they're still the Saints. It's still Drew Brees. If you're if I got to pick between Brees and Foles, I'm, I'm picking oh, Brees sure. nine out of ten <laughs> times. For sure, I would pick the same move. But yeah, I don't. Again, dome team, in elements, in Chicago, outside. Natural turf, going with the Bears. Yeah. So here's the thing is that, and I wish I had the stat, but the Bears for like the last three games haven't broken like 60 rushing yards. When you start getting into cold weather, you need to be able to rush the ball. And the the Bears don't have that. So they're going to have to depend on foals in cold weather. This team's going to start losing games. Gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Although I, I supposedly the Chicago is uh, screaming for um, what's his name the rook, uh, not a rookie but um, gosh can't the other quarterback to come in I can't think of his name off off the spot uh, Trubisky Trubisky yeah they're, oh they're, get out of here supposedly Chicago is screaming for uh, his get return but here. we'll see what happens uh, they're all delusional. All right, so we're going on to our Who You Got segment. Uh, earlier in the season, the Houston Texans and Atlanta Falcons fired head coaches Bill Bryan and Dan Quinn. With more staff shakeups undoubtedly coming, who you got as the next NFL coach to get sacked? Brian, why don't you go ahead and kick us off for us? It sounds like Brian might be having some difficulties, so I'll uh, I'll go ahead and step up here and see if he can get him back on. You know, it's... It's doomsday in Dallas. I think the easy answer is Adam Gase, but Dallas is in trouble. Uh, you know, back when Jason Garrett was the head coach, the issue was his team was generally good, but they couldn't, you know, be good enough. 
you know, and Mike McCarthy was supposed to kind of get them over the hump, but somehow he's got them stuck under the hump. And he they rank dead last in points per game, turnover ratio, rushing defense, opponents' points off turnovers, and they're down to like 19th from in uh, points per game. They were a top 10 team last year. You know, even with putting up like 40 points on Atlanta, 38 on Cleveland, 37 on the Giants, they're still only 19th for points per game. And and uh, Dalton does not seem to be the answer in there. But, uh, you know, if I'm Jerry Jones, um, it, it's tough to, you know, admit you make a mistake this early. But, uh, you know, it's even worse to double down and, and keep him on for another year. I think that – I don't think that Adam Gase at this point is going to get fired. If he hasn't been fired yet, maybe they're just going to keep him and ride that, that Trevor Lawrence train. But uh, I think that the next guy who gets sacked is, is uh, Mike McCarthy. And I, I think I'm going with the same direction. I think it's, uh, I think it is in Dallas. I don't think it's Mike McCarthy. I think it's the, and well, of course Mike McCarthy needs to realize this, this is the problem and this is why it needs to be changing. Is supposedly they either went from a three four defense to a four three defense or maybe flip flop that, but it's got to be put on the defensive coordinator. Clearly, the defensive change is not working in Dallas. They have not showed up for it. They're not uh, in communication with one another, and they're not doing anything defensive wanting to help out the offense. Um, I don't even care, you know, with Dalton coming in and, you know, working with that. If, if your defense is not there, how are you supposed to, you know, go on to win games and, and support and help the offense and put them in a good position to win? Um, and I think the players obviously are not going along with it. They're not working with their coaches. Uh, they're they're playing the blame game in, in Dallas, which is kind of typical from year to year. Kind of a lack of leadership situation. Lack of leaderships and uh, personalities come out, you know, and it, it sounds like this year they just don't want to play. And I think they need an attitude change. At the same time, I think the coaches need to realize, okay, uh, the defense we sprung on them isn't working. We need to go back. We need to go to something that you know they're familiar with that they maybe even want to play. And I think the coaches need to make some changes, and they're being stubborn about it, knowing that something's not working. They need to make a change, and they're not doing it. So I would say either the defense coordinator needs to go. I'm not going to put it all on Mike McCarthy, but I think I think Mike McCarthy needs to realize that that's the problem is the defense. And he needs to go in there and make a change if uh, the defensive coordinator isn't going to honor that and do it. All right. All right. So, I don't, do, we, do we still have Brian here? Yeah, he can hear us, but he's having some technical difficulties. So, let's just go ahead on to this day in sports. All right. So, on this day in sports and history, we got 25 years ago, the Cleveland Browns owner, Art Modell, signed the contract that would end the Browns' 50-year tenure in Cleveland and relocated the original Browns franchise to Baltimore on this day in history. Uh, With that being said, uh, once again, we're always looking for you guys to connect with us on social media. Please connect with us. Let us know you're listening. Let us know any types of tips, advice, what you're drinking, any drinks you want to offer to us. Maybe we'll get it together and we'll have it on a podcast with you for a review. So always looking for that in the future. Looking for you to connect with us. Again, the links are in the description to check it out. Connect with us on social media, please. Once again, you've been listening to Two Guys and a Mic. 
See you next week. See you.